You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for July 5th, 2020, the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. It's based on Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Good morning again and welcome. I'm so pleased that you're here with us this morning. Did you ever fly across the country on the window side, pinned in there, and look out the window and just find yourself just transfixed by, by the, the, the scope and the beauty of the country, and find yourself singing, Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain? Have you ever been out of the country for an extended period of time, and at least those of you on the East Coast, on an overnight flight, you come flying in toward JFK, and you see the sunrise at dawn over New York City. It is really stirring for for New York City people. This is their sort of a purple mountains majesty moment when you see the sun coming up over the city. And then later you you step out of the terminal and in that multicultural hustle and bustle and hassle, which is New York with people yelling and horns honking and cops saying, hey, move it along, move it along, move it along. And you're just so happy to be home. Every time I have one of those experiences, I'm so thankful for the country that uh, is the United States of America and for the fact that I get to live in it. But it is a statement of the obvious to say that these are difficult times for our, our country. They are challenging and burdensome times. We are, as we all know, contending with COVID-19 pandemic, the greatest health crisis in a hundred years. We are coping with great economic hardship, the, with uh, double-digit unemployment, uh, perhaps as high as it has been since the Great Depression. We are contending with racism in America and social unrest, and we are contending with mental health issues uh, across our country. The U.S. Census Bureau uh, said that it's likely that about one-third of people living in the United States are suffering from what might be considered clinical depression or clinical anxiety. Last month, the number of deaths from drug overdoses rose 42% suddenly. We're contending with with anger in our country. Uh, The last poll research uh, from the Pew people showed that 71% of Americans are angry about the state of our nation, that 66% of Americans are fearful about it. We are contending with all sorts of things. I was on a Zoom call the other day, and uh, somebody on the call made the offhanded comment, well, everybody's triggered, right? And so we are contending with a pandemic of partisanship, of incivility, and lack of mutual respect uh, with our neighbors. It is amazing that nearly six months after the first case of COVID-19, known case in the United States, that the majority of registered voters say that they are anxious, exhausted, and angry. Most assuredly, to, to, to borrow from the King James Version of the Bible, we as a people are weary and heavy laden. And so, how much better, how awesome that the reading today is, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ah, the great invitation, the great come unto me, right? This is an invitation to you and to me. It's an invitation in love and for love. It's an invitation for us to bind ourselves to our Lord in a way that we will find deep rest and deep partnership. It is for the lost sheep and it is for the lion-hearted. As far as I know, this come unto me is for everybody, right? Now, as part of the great invitation, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Now, we all know, of course, that the literal yoke is a wooden cross piece uh, that connects two beasts of burden, two animals, two ox, perhaps, that are pulling a plow or pulling a cart. Now, the metaphorical yoke is, in some sense, something like that. The word yoke is very connected to the word yoga. In fact, the word yoga means, in English, really yoke. And the two words are connected uh, etymologically speaking and in meaning. So the word yoga in Sanskrit comes uh, from a Sanskrit word that means to yoke, to attach, to bind. It means to direct and concentrate one's attention upon. It means to use or to apply. It means union or communion. And it, it means and points toward uh, true union of our will with the will of God. It means to collect mind, body, and soul, the whole of our being, and unify it with God. Now, that is something of what Jesus is talking about when he says, take my yoke upon you, take my yoga upon you, right? And it is an outrageous invitation if we think about it, right? Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One, is saying, listen, come, I'm inviting you to bind yourself to me, to yoke yourself to me. And in the context of the gospel, this yoke that Jesus is talking about is in, um, uh, in reference to and in the context of the Hebrew law. But Jesus is not imposing a new yoke upon us. What Jesus is saying is, take my yoke, share the yoke that I have with me. Put your head and shoulders in with me. It's as though Jesus is saying to us, you know, become my yoke mate and learn how to pull the load of life by working beside me and working with me and watching how I do it, and you will find that your heavy labor is lighter uh, if you'll just, just allow me to help you with the burden of your life. It's an outrageous invitation, right? So, so often we are weary and heavy laden and we just go it alone, right? We just go it alone. We forget, we forget to bring in our Lord. In our, in our emotional strains, literally take a physical toll on it. It's almost as though we're yoked, right? We, we, we feel the weightiness of our problems. We, we turn our shoulders inward. We begin to slump. Perhaps we get pain in our neck from carrying the stress in our neck or pain in our lower backs. We are people yoked to our problems so often, but not yoked to our Lord, right? Who, whose partnership 
will make the carrying of burdens ever so much lighter. Now, twice in the great invitation, Jesus talks about rest. He says, I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls. And I just have to say to you, who amongst us does not need rest for our souls? This is a burdensome and heavy time. We wear it and we carry it. The Lord is offering soul rest for us, right? Now, this is not the kind of rest that we get on Labor Day weekend from stopping. That's not what the Lord is offering. This is existential rest. This is rest from ajida rest that comes from a deep communion with our Lord. This is, as St. Paul would say, the peace of God which passes all understanding, right? This is contemplative rest where in holiness we commune with the holiness of God that is always at the center of our being. Jesus is always there. Remember he says, I am humble and lowly, humble and lowly of heart. He is in the center of your being and in your soul right now. But in his humility, he doesn't reach out and say, hey, bud, I know you're a mess. Come on down. It doesn't work that way, right? This kind of rest that Jesus is talking about is like the rest that is on the sea. I don't know if you've ever been out in the sea in a storm, and it, it seems as though nature is angry, and the winds blow, and the wave just, you know, trough and up and down, and it is a very, very scary place to me, at least for me, perhaps not those who go to the Naval Academy. The sea is churned. But if you get out of the boat and you go down below, you find that the water is not moving all around. The water is actually quite still, and it is filled with a stillness and a silence. And that is what contemplative rest is like. That's like to get off the sea of our problems and to dive deep into the silence and solitude of God. Therein lies our Lord. There's a beautiful prayer in the Book of Common Prayer that I know so many of you pray in Compline, and you're just going to love it that I'm going to say it. It says, protect us through the hours of this night so that we who are wearied by the changes and chances of this life may rest in your eternal changelessness, right? So much is changing in our world. We need to find that humble and lowly spot where there is no change. So as people yoked to Christ, we come to this 4th of July weekend. 4th of July weekend, unlike any others that any of us can ever remember, right? This is the 244th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And that second sentence in the Declaration of Independence is perhaps the most important sentence in the history of the United States. And it is perhaps also one of the most important sentences ever written in the English language, and I know that you know it. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Wow. This ideal, this vision, is the alpha and the omega of our country. It is the foundation and it is the telos, right? It is the end point, the purpose, the ultimate aim by which we are aiming ourselves. It is the ideal upon which the country was established 
and it also is the, the arc of our history to which we are aiming. Now, perhaps the true revolution of the Revolutionary War was not that another country was created. If you actually look at it, a shocking number of new countries are created all the time. Just take a look at a globe from 30 years ago. The revolutionary idea that undergirds our country is the idea of individual equal rights given by God as the foundation of a country, right? This is the idea that is the bedrock of our democracy and out of which sprouts the best of who we are and what we do as a nation, right? Now, we all know that right from the start, there was a huge gap between this ideal and between what was and is reality. Of course, uh, all men did not include women and slaves, and amendments to the Constitution, the, 15th, uh, the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, the 15th Amendment made it so that uh, you could not prohibit somebody from voting uh, based on their color, and then the 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote. Then there is, of course, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the LGBTQ struggle uh, for rights, and now the Black Lives Movement and the Brown Lives Movement, all seeking to make sure that that phrase, all men, includes everyone, and that everyone can have inalienable rights. Our country is not perfect, but at our best, we are always working toward a more perfect union, and many of our fellow citizens have given their lives to this undertaking, some of them literally given their lives and some figuratively. Now, it is into this national endeavor, this national drama, that our Lord calls us, not simply as citizens of the United States, but citizens of the kingdom of God, right? We do not come to this national grappling alone. We come with our yoke mate, right? We come to this with Jesus, who we are yoked to. And what does the yoke teach us? The yoke teaches the way of love. Jesus teaches about three types of love. Love God, love your neighbor, and love your enemy. The first two, love God and love your neighbor, of course, is the summary of the Hebrew law. Jesus did not make this up, right? This is encased in the law and the way of the Hebrew people. And in fact, uh, the summary of the law was what today's collect of the day was about. Remember, we prayed that we might keep the commandments by loving you and our neighbor. And then it says, grant us grace of your Holy Spirit that we devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. That's what we prayed to start the service. This contains, of course, the golden rule, and all of the major religions of the world contain the golden rule, which is to treat others as you would have them treat yourself. And this yoke of love is also encased in our baptismal covenant, and that being in particular that we are to seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbor as ourself. And then finally, the last covenant that we pray, to strive for justice and peace among all people and to respect the dignity of every human being. Woo! <laughs> I mean, think about it. Imagine what the world would be like if that's how we lived, if we lived according to the yoke of love, if we lived according to those covenants, right? 
Is this not what our country needs? And is this not what our world needs? Do we as Christians not have something to bring to our country? We do. We have to bring our Lord and our Lord's way of love. It's not applied anywhere else in some sort of high and flute way. It's applied to wherever you are. And that is where we are to start. So I'd like to just finish my, my sermon thinking about and praying about each of us and all of us and our country. Let us pray the prayer attributed to St. Francis because this prayer articulates that yoke of love so beautifully. Let us pray. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.